we're going to be sharing the sermon today. So I'm going to be doing the first 10 minutes, then handing over to Matt Tuno. Um, I'll explain about that in just a moment, but I want to just pray for Matt before we get on our feet so that when I hand over, it can just be seamless and smooth and just um, not, not, not be a crunching gear change. So, Father, thank you for my dear brother and friend, and um, Lord, thank you for what you are doing in him. Thank you for what you've done in him. Thank you, Lord, that there's a reality of your work to be shared today. We pray he'd find all the freedom that he needs to be able to yes, do that, yes. and he'd know your peace and joy as he does yes, so, for your glory. Yes, Amen. 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 Cheers, Mac. Okay, so we're starting a new series over this next six weeks. Do you remember back, I think it was December the 3rd, uh, one of the sabbatical sermons, we looked at John 7 where Jesus said, whoever comes to me and believes in me will never thirst, but actually of rivers of living water will um, flow up out of his belly. Remember that? As I'm saying that, I'm just remembering I didn't do the offering. So bad at those. So bad. I'm so bad at those sort of things. Whenever I'm on my feet and I forget something and you know, don't assume some spiritual thing has happened. I think people do think, oh, no, no, no. It's just I've forgotten. So someone start waving uh, madly. That really helps me. Okay, so should we do an offering while I preach? Yeah, all right. So there'll be a pot going around. If you're, if you're part of the church and committed to giving, then um, you, you know what to do. Um, but uh, not expecting guests to be involved in this unless you particularly want to, in which case um, you are welcome. So uh, as I speak now, at some point a pot will go past and there'll be people that know what to do with that. So just pass it along and, and behind you. Okay, so I'm going to start again. Rewind. Did I forget anything else? I'd like to know more. Yeah. If you're new here uh, <laughs> and you want to, um, this is why I don't do notices very often. Um, if you're new here and you'd like to find out more about the church, then uh, after the service where we're having tea and coffee, there'll be a table with all the information you need to know. And that will be manned this week by Jamie Denyer. Look at that guy waving his arm over there. Keep waving, Jamie. He's a wonderful, lovely guy and he will help you with all that you need to know information-wise. Youth are staying in to hear myself and Mac Tuno today. Uh, how blessed you are. Okay. Shall we get on? Right. So I spoke about Jesus promising that uh, those who come to him will never thirst, but rivers of living water would flow out from their belly. Do you remember that? And we really prayed and sung about that and this whole longing and desire to be kind of out of our depth in the presence of the Holy Spirit. That the, that the river that flows in and out of us wouldn't be some little trickly stream, but that actually, you know, it would be the full desire of what God wants in our lives. And, I, and so what I, what I said when I was preaching that day is I said this, I said, look, you've got to realise this, that when you come to know Jesus Christ, something supernatural happens. It's not just that you learn some information, that you tick the boxes, oh, I believe that now. You meet God. Okay, So anyone, anyone who becomes a genuine Christian, anyone who comes to Jesus, Anyone who calls on his name, the Bible says that God saves them. And the way God saves someone is that he comes into their life and he brings this kind of this desire for change where we, where we say, God, forgive me, I've done wrong. He brings faith so we understand the gospel, that Jesus died for our sins and rose again. We believe in our heart. We confess it with our mouth. And God comes and gives us a brand new heart by the Holy Spirit. It's a miracle, and there's an overflow. There's a, there's a. It's like Jesus said. It's like this belly that out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. So you haven't got to make it happen. Hallelujah! All right. The Christian the Christian message is not must try harder. Every religion on the on the earth, other than Christianity, if you if you drill into it and get to the core, it's try harder. 
Either try harder to empty yourself of all of the bad desires you have. Or try harder by doing this, 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 this in your life. And then when you when you die, the scales may weigh in your favor. That That is not good news, folks. That's not a good news message. That's just like, oh, gosh, that's just anxiety inducing. Because if you know yourself, you realize you're probably not going to do too well. God is holy. The Christian message is this. What we could not do, what we were helpless to do, God did by sending his son. And God gives us his spirit through Jesus Christ as a gift. And so there's this overflow. There's this movement of the life of God out of us. We haven't got to crank it up. However, the Bible does say that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Or we can quench the Holy Spirit, put out the Spirit's fire. It's a bit of a change of metaphor, but it's the same idea. What, what, what God is doing in us by his spirit, you can, if you like, you can put rocks in the river so that river doesn't flow as it all. And so we thought we want to spend these next six weeks just in this series called Removing the Rocks. Okay, We haven't got to crank anything up. The life of God flows. But actually, it's good to attend to our souls and say, look, is there anything going on in my life where essentially I've been putting rocks in the way that the Lord might reveal so we can get them out of the way so we can enjoy the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Does that make sense? Now, the way we want to do this sermon is we want to make it very kind of testimonial, biographical. And so people will be sharing whether they're doing what Mac does there, or whether they've got the whole sermon. I've asked people to make it biographical. Talk about your experience. Talk about what God has done in you. And so we're going to look at a different rock every week. And um, so this week we're going to we're going to start um, from a passage in Jeremiah that will come up on the screen. And I'll read that to you. Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 12 to 13. This is what the Lord says. The Lord says, be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. One, they've forsaken me, the fountain of of living waters. Two, they've hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. I'm going to pray. Father, as we look at this text today and think about it, I pray that there would be that kind of weight, that sense of your presence that helps us out of dark things and into the light that helps us out of broken things that don't give life into the kind of fullness that you want us to be in. We pray for your holy, kind grace to lead us today as we expound your word. We ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I'm going to quickly just explain this text so you get so you understand it. It's not particularly complex or cryptic, but nevertheless, just give a plain understanding of what it means. And I'm going to hand over to Matt Tuno, who's going to begin to unpack something of what God has done in him in this area recently. It's a very, very weighty verse. God calls the heavens to witness something so appalling that he almost sensed the incredulity of God himself. He can't believe this has happened because he's given himself to this people, Israel, unreservedly. And he himself seems shocked. He himself seems that he, he, he can't quite understand why they would do this. He calls it appalling. And he says, heavens, would you witness? He calls to the host of heavens to come and almost witness what Israel have done in this season of their history. Two things have happened. Firstly, 
They've forsaken him. They've left him. They've turned away from him. But this wonderful description of himself, they've turned away from me, the fountain of living waters. It's shocking. God is saying, I am the source of life. I am the source of true, deep refreshment. I am the source of life, physical and spiritual. It all comes from me, and you've turned away from that when you turn away from me. It's a very, very shocking thing that they've done. In Psalm 36, and there's a couple of verses which give us a real sense of, of what happens when you come to the Lord and enjoy this living water. It says, it says, it says, talking about God's people, they feast on the abundance of your house and you give them drink from the river of your delights. I mean, this isn't some like drudgery. This isn't some drudgery, drudging, mundane duty to walk with God. You give them to drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. And so you can begin to understand now why this is so so shocking. The Lord is saying, I, I gave you this freely to enjoy, and you've turned away from that. That's bad enough. That's foolish. But then there's this second thing, because people do not exist in a vacuum. When you turn away from something, you always turn towards something else. You ever notice that? People cannot live in a vacuum. You can't just do nothing. <laughs> no people say, well, you're doing nothing. No, you're not doing nothing. It doesn't, it doesn't happen. The human heart does not work that way. The human life doesn't work that way. And so they turn away from him, but God says to them, you hewed out cisterns. Now, a cistern is simply a, a container for carrying water. So God's saying, I am here the fountain of living waters. So you've got this eternal, supernatural, infinite flow of living water. God's saying, come to me. And then they go, do you know what? Actually, I've got another idea. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a little tank. I'm going to make this little pot. I'm going to go and find some water and fill it. And then the way it's described is you've hewed them out for yourself, firstly. You've devised it. You've devised your own way. I'll find a way of life to the full. I'll find a way of fulfillment of true, true nourishment, eternal nourishment. I'll devise. It's where people devise things. Scheme. We'll do this. We'll do that. It'll work. Or, or people are deceived. They, they believe this promise or that promise and, and, and create a, something to carry this amazing life. But God's assessment of it is this. What you create is broken. And you can almost sense the grief in the heart of God here looking on at these things. Oh, look what we've made. But there's these cracks and these holes. Do you know why? Because brokenness can only create brokenness. <laughs> And we're so broken without him. And so everything we devise has that about it. And so there we are carrying along our little pots of devised things with their, our own little water source in it. And it's spilling out left, right and centre. And God's looking on and he says, be appalled. Oh, heavens, look at what they've done. So that is a basic and fundamental explanation of what's been going on here. I'm now going to hand over to me. Is coming through? Oh, everyone can hear me. Um, just to say, there might be a few tears. 
Um, over the past like two, three months, God's kind of turned on the taps on my eyes. So I seem to be crying a lot. So if I cry, just I'm fine. God's doing his thing. So my name's Matt Tuna. I've been part of the Revelation Church family here for the past probably about six years. And I'm married to the lovely Julia, but she can't be here today. So shout out to Julia when she listens online. Give her a little round of applause as she listens. <laughs> and today I want to tell you a story. And I want to talk to you about how probably over the past five years, I built a very complicated network of cisterns in my own life. And these cisterns became like rocks which were obstructing and were obstacles to God's spirit moving in me, but also moving through me. And I'm really excited to share how over the past few months, God started to remove those, remove those rocks that have been blocking God's spirit. So when I first thought about talking today, I asked myself the question, for me, what is a cistern? And really a cistern for me is when I create something, when I make something and I turn to it for life. Has anyone heard that phrase where, they, they, where people say, oh, that tune gives me life, that person gives me life? A cistern is when you go to something for life. And if you're a human being, you'll have a sense in you where you want fulfillment, satisfaction, you want life, you want salvation, and you'll turn to something. Whether you're here, you believe in a God or you don't. Everyone's got cisterns, something they build their life around. And in my own life, I've struggled a lot with addictions. And I would say, probably about 10 years ago, when I was first tackling addictions in my life, I came across this verse, Jeremiah 2.13. And this verse spoke very vividly to me, because it talked about how I was turning to a behavior, and I was turning to something to quench my thirst when I was not turning to God. And those are kind of really obvious ways that we can literally build cisterns, an addiction, an addictive behavior. But I've also noticed over the past five years how there were more subtle cisterns that I started to build. One example would be work. So if you know me, I've always been quite an ambitious person. I've been a bit of an overachiever. And sometimes I've always tried to find my fulfillment, my satisfaction in things I do. Whether it's getting a new contract, getting a new job, associating with someone in my field who I think is you know, at the top of it. So it makes me feel good. It gives me a buzz. But again, work is something a bit more, less obvious than addiction, but something that I find I turn to to give me life. And the problem with all these things is, like Steph had said, these things are always cracked. I was thinking this morning, I've tasted a lot in my life. I've tasted things the world would consider quite wholesome, like, you know, romance, career, purpose, meaning, all those sorts of things. I've tasted a lot of unwholesome things. And I tell you what, every single time they end up cracked, you dream about an experience, you have an experience, and you realise it didn't quite taste as I thought it would taste. And in my own life, sometimes I would build one cistern. When that failed, I'd go to another one. <laughs> so I had an elaborate one. I had like 10 laid out backup plans, which all failed. So about, I'd say, four years ago, I was in bed with my wife. We were lying down talking. And my wife said to me, you're different. Something's changed in your spiritual life. That's all she said. She just dropped the mic and just kind of left. <laughs> you know when someone says something, it gets under your skin, but it's really frustrating because it's like, can you give me some more information? Can you, can you elaborate on that? But that's all she said. And it really bugged me and it stuck under my skin, I'd say, for a couple of years. And it came back to mind recently when I was thinking about maybe these rocks and these cisterns that I'd built. And in summer of this year, I was really concerned about the state of my heart. Um, <sighs> the only way I'd describe it I was cynical, I lacked any faith, I didn't believe in the goodness of God, 
I'm a psychologist, I work as a psychotherapist. I was manipulative with people. In my heart, I would prefer myself to others and my heart was in a bad state. And I remember talking to um, a close friend and just saying to him, I don't know what's happening to my heart. Um, I don't know what's happening to it. And um, yeah, I just felt in a really bad place spiritually. And no one could really see it. You know, sometimes you go through life and everyone looks at you externally, thinks, oh, yeah, things are kind of okay. But in my heart, I knew that there were these cisterns that existed that I wasn't really dealing with. And um, I basically, God started to do something to remove these rocks. God started to do something to remove these cisterns in my life. And it happened quite dramatically. So about, it was September. So for any of you who don't know, for a series of events, my wife works in Geneva. And we, for, us, for the next season, we feel called to be in London and Geneva. So we're in two places. And I'd literally just flown over. And I'd gone home. And I'd got my bag. I put my laptop in my bag. And I went up to Archway Starbucks. And I sat down in Starbucks. And I was doing some work. Basically, when I was in Starbucks, I was sat in a slightly awkward position. I sat down in my chair. And I sneezed. But the force of the sneeze went straight from my vertebrae. So they say sneezes, I don't know, 60 miles an hour or something. But this force of the sneeze went straight from my vertebrae. And I've had a history of back problems. I had slip discs when I was 16. I had a back operation when I was 22. So I thought, oh, I've just twinged it. I got up to stand up and I literally thought, what have I done? I felt searing pain just rushing through my body. And I thought, I can't walk. So I tried to get up the stairs. I walked probably 50 metres and just collapsed in the street. Literally cried out in the street and collapsed. And I was there for about two hours. And I literally couldn't move. So the paramedics came. They thought, oh, maybe it's something neurological. Maybe it's something really serious. So they were really delicate trying to move me. So they pumped me full of morphine and then moved me onto an ambulance, took me to hospital. When I got there, praise God, they found out it was more musculoskeletal. So it was to do with my discs. And they said, it's a pain management issue. So you can go home and basically manage the pain. God bless the NHS, but they didn't didn't help me much. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I literally couldn't walk. I couldn't sit. I could only lie down. If I moved an inch from lying down, I was in searing pain. And they drugged me up on about five different drugs and then gave me a drug to combat the effect those drugs would have on my stomach. That's how bad the pain was. I stayed at a friend's house for about three days because it was a ground floor flat because I couldn't climb stairs. And I was angry. Um, I was very angry with God because my back's always been a very traumatic thing for me because it literally, I was completely incapacitated. And I was saying, God, why? What's this pain? What's it about? What's going on? And then obviously my wife had to fly back from Geneva the next day. She comes back for a week, stays for a week. Then she goes back to work. I call her saying, I can't look after myself. I can't even get to the bathroom. She has to fly back again. So it was a lot of drama and a lot of challenges. So I was angry with God for like three, four weeks and just in pain. Anyway, I had a sense that maybe God was wanting to do something else. You know, sometimes you hear the still, small voice of God saying, Matuno, could there be something else I'm doing here? So I heard this still voice start to speak to me, the Holy Spirit speaking to me. After about four weeks, I had two dear sisters from Revelation Church. They came around for dinner. And I was just being myself. I wasn't like you know, breaking down or bursting into tears or anything like that. And when one of these sisters left my house that evening, she basically told me afterwards that God had said to her, Matuno has some strongholds in his life that God needs to break. So she didn't tell me this. She just went away and prayed. On the Monday, she started texting me 
And she started sending me these um, messages with Bible verses. And to be honest, I wasn't even looking at them. These messages were going in one ear out the other. So I think, you know, you know, sometimes I don't know if anybody else, when you're in a spiritual place where people send you Bible verses and you think, oh, you know, you just don't read them. <laughs> you're not in a place to read them. So she sent me the sending me these messages. Um, on about the Tuesday, Wednesday, again, I, I heard this still small voice said to me, come into my presence, just come into my presence. So I woke up, I literally hadn't really talked to God for probably about four weeks, except to say, please stop the pain. That's all I'd said. I went down to my sofa, I sat down, got in God's presence. And suddenly it was as if, as if the floodgates of heaven opened and just poured out on me. And I burst into tears. And for probably about three days, I was at home by myself just crying. Um, and I was opening the Bible and the Bible suddenly was just jumping off the page at me. And God was showing me, look at your cisterns. Um, right now you're, you're in pain, you can't walk, you can't do anything. But look at these cisterns that you've created. Look at your things, these things that you've turned to to quench your thirst. Or where have they got you? And I think it was only in that place of real vulnerability that God was able to actually intervene. Because you know sometimes your cisterns are glossy. They look like the new towers and archway. They look good. So you still go to them. But when they're dilapidated and just battered, it's like, oh, wow, I can really see them for what they are. So in that time as well, God was starting to speak to me and say, you, you're not, I have words of life for you. I sing songs of deliverance over you. I love you more than you know but yet you don't come to me, you turn to these things. So I think that Sunday I came into church and I didn't really want to come to be with the church family because I was, this tears thing was going on. So I was like, I don't want to talk to someone and say, how are you and burst into tears? But anyway, I came and I think I talked to a couple of people and they were like, oh, how are you? How's your back? And I start talking in a burst into tears and start talking about God's goodness and what he was doing in me and how he's working through me. Um, it was like an overflow which I'll come on to talk a bit about. You know, there's, there's a link between how God quenches our thirst and then when we truly drink from him, he just overflows around us. And that's what I found over the, 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 kind of the past couple of months since that experience. When I got back, I never actually read these messages that my friend, sister here sent me. So I actually looked at them yesterday. <laughs> I won't, <laughs> I don't even know, I might make eyes, I don't know where she is. I um, can't see her. Um, so this is what she sends me on Monday. It was a meme of like a picture of a background with a still water. But the message isn't very still. It says, God will wreck your plans when he sees your plans are about to wreck you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and if you know me, I'm a man with plans. I've got five-year, ten-year plans. I mean, he completely battered my plans in this experience. This is what she sends me on the, um, on the Wednesday. Um, Praying for your heart today, Matuna. May God reveal to you even a fraction of the suffering that brings his heart to compassion. I pray you grow in love, humility and compassion. And may your heart break for the same things that break his. May you persevere in allowing yourself to be moulded into the refined, sculptured Christ, that light man he wants you to be. May you understand all that he is teaching you through all you are subjected to, for the soul only ever becomes more noble through suffering. May you be enlightened to his strength and power to fully and healthily fear him. Have a restful day. Kiss, kiss. Um, and then on the Friday after the three days, she sends me this, praying for strongholds to be demolished and for freedom, the kind only Jesus can give. What was incredible was on this, after this one week period, these three days where the Holy Spirit met with me, 
On the Monday, I took her for dinner just to say, oh, thank you for praying. I didn't know there was this whole other story. So if you want to know the power of intercessory prayer, come and catch me. I will talk for hours about that. Um, since this sort of three-day encounter, which I don't know, I'd call almost like, it was like a spiritual awakening. It was like being born again again. Um, things are very different. The first thing I noticed was I just had faith for things. So living in London, sometimes you get into this negative space where you complain about everything. Oh, the house prices, all oh, this, all oh, that. Suddenly I was like, actually, you know what? If God wants to get me a five-bedroom place in Archway so I can do his purposes, that's not a problem. And it's weird. It's hard to describe. It was like I just had faith for certain things, which was supernatural. It was like, that's not a problem. He'll do it. And I was seeing him just do things thinking, that's not a problem. So it's like it's supernatural faith. I don't know where it was the Holy Spirit, but it was literally like I didn't do anything to get it. Then there were things like generosity suddenly I found that I was like wanting to be generous I was thinking about my money my resources how I would let them flow out of me um when I was sharing the gospel with people and talking about Jesus suddenly it was coming from a real place because in a sense sometimes we sell things we don't drink so if I'm like oh yeah drink this coke it's amazing but I'm not drinking it myself haven't tasted it but because I was literally having an experience of being full of his spirit I was talking about something that was very real and tangible in my life. So I was finding that in conversations with people who didn't know Jesus, things were kind of, there was breakthrough. Um, and it's a really interesting one because there were two things I kind of wanted to almost land on. First of all, look, the things of this world, look, you might be here, you might believe in God, not believe in God, follow Jesus, not follow Jesus. The things of this world, I've tasted a lot. It's always cracked. It's always cracked. Maybe you're not at the point where you think, oh, maybe if I built that sort of system, that sort of system will satisfy me. It will be cracked. Um, but Jesus promises himself as a spring of living water. And there are two parts to it. First of all, he quenches your thirst. Secondly, when he quenches your thirst, it becomes in you a spring of living, a river of living water that flows out of you. And over the past two, three months, I've had that experience where things are just happening around me that I can't really understand or describe and there are kind of three groups of people that I really wanted to highlight through this message first of all you might have never tasted Jesus taste him come to him if you today don't know Jesus and there's a small voice in your heart that thinks maybe these the systems I've been building don't work maybe I should just go towards him like I was in my room just going down onto my couch he'll meet with you if you just turn towards him you also might be a person who's got some really obvious cisterns in your life. Maybe you're struggling with some really clear things like some addictive behavior, for example, that you think that is a massive cistern. I, 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 that's me. You know, I, I struggle with that. I, I, I've been drinking from that. It's not helping me. I want to turn to Jesus. You might be a person that has more subtle cisterns. You know, you can make a cistern out of anything. You can make a cistern out of your children. Oh, it's all about my children. My children give me life. It's all about their development, their education, seeing them thrive. You can make that a cistern. You can make your job a cistern. You can make ministry a cistern. You could be here serving in church and actually when it goes well, you get a buzz. But when it doesn't go quite right, you're frustrated. Jesus invites us, find yourself, find your satisfaction, find that life, that fulfillment in him. That's his promise. Um, so yeah, those kind of three categories of people were kind of who I wanted to flag up today. So... I mean, it's been a crazy adventure. I mean, to be honest, there's still days at the moment where I'm working up, where I'm, where I'm waking up and I drop a little rock in the way and Holy Spirit says, no, 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 take it out. 
take it out, take the rock out. I had an experience recently where I did a training session in a law firm. And afterwards, I was sitting around with all the lawyers and they were kind of like treating me like a psychological guru. And I was getting a buzz off it. I'm not going to lie. I was feeling like a, a boss. And then literally I left, <laughs> I left the training session and I walked outside to the train station and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, that's a rock. Throw down your stupid little crown. What are you doing? <laughs> now, before I didn't see the rock, I didn't notice it. I was building my life around all these things. But even now it's daily waking up. I don't know, tomorrow there might be a fresh little rock that wants to arrive. And it's just coming to God's presence and saying, God, let me shift that. I want your spirit to move in me and move through me. So that's that. <laughs> Wow. So now we're going to try and work out how to respond to what we've just heard. Um, I'll say a couple of things. Firstly, God, God knows how to deal with his children. Yeah, he loves all his children the same, but he treats them all differently because he knows us. So what we don't want to do is create this kind of one-size-fits-all moment and say, well, because that happened to Mac months ago that's everyone's situation now in this moment that that just wouldn't give any sense of glory to the personal involvement and interest of god in his children's lives yeah so we're not we're not going to do that mm. nevertheless what the lord has done in his heart is what he wants for all of his children <laughs> so it's not as if you know we all look on and think that's really nice for you mac i mean if you're born again you're listening thinking whether, whether, whether I've got a few little pebbles or big rocks, I want, I want more of that, right? I'm sitting there with a godly jealousy. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, it's, it's, I don't know about you, but it's stirred real hunger in me just to, just to go and wade in the river and you know, get, get, get things flowing again. So I do think it's good that we, that we respond together. And I think it's timely that as a church, what we're focusing on over, over this plan A is, 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 is the flow of the Spirit. Um. So how, how can we respond to, to a sermon like this? I think, I think we've just got to be able to, those of us who know the Lord, that we just come close to him. We, we do what Mac did when God said, come into my presence. We know what to do. It basically just means in an honest way, in your heart, you draw near to him who lives inside of you. you just Because the Bible says when you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And it's just having that, openness and not fear you know when god highlights things in our lives that are unhelpful it's not to judge us or condemn us it's to deliver us forgive us cleanse us okay we live in the day of salvation yeah there's another day coming called the day of judgment that's not here yet the day of favor and salvation and grace where god wants to do that so so it's just it's, it's about that um and like max said if you're here and you don't know the lord you think well i don't even know how to start but i want this bible says call on his name Call on his name and mean it from your heart. Say, Jesus, I want to know this. It's not, it's not, it's not like a formula. Call on his name. He will hear you. He, and if you're calling from that genuine heart where you want to know him, he will meet you and rescue you. And then, and then, and then when he comes and lives in you by spirit, you will know him. You're not groping around in the dark anymore. So it makes sense. So that makes sense. Is that all right? Now, listen, Mac had a little dream last night. If you could just try to, I don't know, distill it. Yeah, in, in, yeah so it was, it was basically... Um, it was a dream where, you know, like those university college, camp, college campuses in America where you see like a stone buildings around a courtyard. And basically in my dream, I walked into this courtyard and there were people, it was like between classes, they were rushing around in these kind of stone buildings. And in the middle, there was 
like a courtyard full of grass that was about six feet high. And basically, I noticed that a wind would rush from one side of the grass to the other. And I thought, I want to kind of get in there, because if I get in there, maybe I'll be caught up with this wind. It might be a bit thrilling, it was a bit scary, but also it might, it might be a bit of fun. So <laughs> I went into this grass, and you know like when you're in the sea, and you see a wave coming towards you, and you can see it coming, and then it carries you. Basically, I went into the grass, and then this, this, these, this wind rushing through the grass hit me, and then it pushed me back, and it kind of put me almost against a wall, and it was a feeling of kind of just... It was a good feeling, and it was a powerful feeling. And then I kind of dropped down, and I was like, I want to go again. That was great. So I basically went and ran back into the grass again, and this kind of happened. <laughs> then I woke up, and I was thinking a bit about this, and I was thinking about this whole thing of God's spirit and maybe what he wanted to do today and about how actually it's so important for us to step into his presence. Not that it's, I mean, the, the picture's symbolic in a sense that it's about his presence. It's not that it's going to, it's this, his presence is always this thing that is a rushing wind through grass that slams you against the wall. But there was something about him saying, actually, I want to touch lives. I want to meet with people. And I want them to experience um, the flow of my spirit in a new way, which will result in all of those things happening. People coming to know Jesus, being more generous of your money, <laughs> um, having faith, all those sorts of things. <laughs> Yeah. So I, I feel like, you know, it's, it's a bit of a, you know, who, who wants to walk into the grass moment, you know? Where we just say, hey, I, I, I want whatever God wants to do in me, I'm saying yes to. Yeah, that's, that's a good thing. That's, that's a positive thing. So why don't, why don't we stand together? And we're just going to...